Well, he's really set us up, hasn't he? This clever landowner. So he's gathered those to the front of the line who got to the field at the end of the day and only worked one hour, and he's given them a full day's wage. Now he's gathered those who were there at sunup and who have tilled the field all day, and he's given them a full day's wage. They thought it would be more. A calls for elation and gratitude for the latecomers. A calls for frustration and perhaps even rage for those who had been plowing from sunup to sundown. But if we count ourselves among those who got hired early, we may have every right to regard the landowner's move here as outrageous. We might even be justified in calling this landowner unjust. After we've wiped the, spread, the sweat from our brow and kicked the mud from our boots and lined up to receive our pay and looked around to see what everyone has gotten, what is our response? Now, from personal experience, uh, leading Bible studies as a pastor, uh, I can tell you what most people think about this parable. In fact, one student I remember getting this passage to preach on for the class received her text and said under her breath, oh, I hate this parable. It's unfair. Read this to a group of children and see what they say. You'll probably see uh, the fierce sensitivity to unfairness and injustice light up in them. That's not fair. The ones who worked all day got the same thing as those who only worked one hour. That's not, that's not right. You can't blame anyone, really. What happens here goes against common sense and even the most basic definitions of fairness. In fact, we might even say that the, what the landowner has done to the early risers is a bit cruel. What did he expect the day laborers to say when they began counting up the hourly wage relative to the newcomers? Hey, look what he's doing. He's giving them a whole day. He's paying them for the whole day. Look at that. Hey, you think we might get paid for the whole week? And then he doesn't. In fact, he, he rubs some salt in the wound. Since he's, he's paying a day's wage for an hour, just think how much we'll get. No, only to be crushed by the reminder of their own agreement earlier in the day. Didn't we, didn't we settle on this full day's wage? Huh? Remember? It's like when your parents say, uh, because I said so. But mom, but dad, wait, wait a minute. Because I said so. Mom, not fair. Asked and answered. Not fair. Or is it? You see, I love parables, as most of you will know by now. And every time they're like a Rubik's Cube, there's lots of different ways to solve them. And this time, I feel like the, when, I, 
I cracked the code, or at least I hope I did. I saw something different, a different way of putting this together, and it flashed out at me. I believe this time I've been given the grace to see more of the truth of the character of the landowner than I ever have. And this is what I want to share with you. What the landowner has done is really not fair unless... Unless he has remembered just how hard it is, unless he knows just what it feels like to be left out. What I mean is that the landowner remembers in a special way those who've been waiting to work, been wanting to work, they've been wanting to be part of the economy. He knows life can be much harder as an unemployed person. I bet most of you at home right now, no matter your age, have experienced rejection in your life. Maybe you looked up at the list outside the gym and found that your name was not on either the varsity or the junior varsity team list. Or maybe some you received Rather recently, perhaps some half-hearted beige rejection letter online from some distant employer who said to your resume, no. The landowner knows just what this feels like. If we can compare the landowner to Jesus himself, we may say Jesus knows this kind of rejection because Jesus knows the Psalms. Jesus knows Psalm 118, verse 22. The stone the builders rejected has become the very cornerstone. I wondered about that. I I couldn't remember where Jesus had actually quoted that psalm. I knew he said it somewhere in the Gospels. And in fact, I found out, thanks to Google, he says it in the chapter right after this one. He's talking to the chief priests and the scribes, the the leaders, the know-it-alls, you know, the religious elites in a place like this to people like me. Don't you remember? The stone the builders rejected, it becomes the cornerstone, the foundation. The landowner does not assume, as the early laborers do, that the latecomers have done nothing to earn this wage. He knows what it's like to be unemployed. It's exhausting. It's, well, it's, uh, it's work. It's days full of worry and festering and fretting and fuming and, and being irritable with your loved ones. It's never having the luxury to just come home from an honest day's work and settle your mind. It's day and night of anxious brooding. It's not as if the latecomers were were lounging about, sipping cocktails, waiting for someone to hire them. There was no one when the landowner came up to the curb who was saying, Oh, Thurston, Thurston, look, here comes the landowner. Thurston, waken, my dear. The landowner's here. He wants to put us in his employ. No, they're frustrated. The landowner comes up and he says, why are you sitting here idle all day? Idle? 
man, I wish you could see my blood pressure right now. I'm not idle. I'm working in my imagination to try to figure out what I'm going to say when I get home. And I have nothing to show for waiting here all day. So where we see generosity, whether unfair or lavish, I invite us all to see in this landowner the kindness of God, the way God identifies here with those who've been left out of the economy. But not only that, if we can see the image of Christ in the landowner, maybe we can also see what he does to repair and to restore the damage that an unjust economy is doing to some of those folks. When the latecomers line up for payday, he looks on them with compassion and he restores them. To really get at the heart of the shock of this parable, though, and you guys know when I preach a parable, I'm always looking for that shock, that twist, that part that says, no way, cannot be, until it becomes, once we've thought through it, well, maybe. Wow. Wow, I've never seen that. Maybe to really get the heart of the, the shock of this parable is to consider what the landowner here is doing is something like the modern day notion of reparations. Now I know that word can be hard for some, but I'm confident to relay the shock of the parable because, well, I'll just be frank, because I trust you. You know, it can take a while for pastors and congregations to learn to trust each other. So I entrust this word to you. I trust that our thoughtful congregation will hear the word reparations not with anxiety but with a genuine interest. Reparation comes from the word repair. It's, it's a good news word. It means to make ready again. In the sense of the parable, the landowner is repairing damage by financial means. And this clearly angers most of his employees. You're likely aware of the city of Asheville's stunning resolution this past July, a promissory note on community reparations for black residents of Asheville to repair, to make ready again, those who've been passed over or pushed aside. You may have heard the oft-quoted summary of what has been destroyed, offered by the late local pastor, Dr. Wesley Grant, who was a minister in our community for almost 50 years. About urban renewal in the 60s and 70s, he said, in the East Riverside area, we've lost more than 1,100 homes, six beauty parlors, five barber shops, five filling stations, 14 grocery stores, three laundromats, eight apartment houses, seven churches, three shoe shops, two cabinet shops, two auto body shops, one hotel, five funeral homes, one hospital, and three doctor's offices. In February of this year, you may recall in a sermon on the difference the church makes, I preached and asked our congregation what might have happened in 1975 if white Christians at the time in Asheville had surrounded Stevens Lee High School, the black high school community center, 
to prevent it from being bulldozed to the ground. A prominent and beautiful black community center stolen from our brothers and sisters, the question was meant to provoke our imagination, to wonder how much power the church really has in determining a community's future. But now I want to ask what might happen for our children, all of our children, all of our grandchildren in Asheville, if churches like ours take seriously the present opportunity. Now, I have no policy recommendations. I don't have any specific plans to unveil. Just the question, what hope might it give our community if our parable church is not afraid of the word reparations, but actually sees this rare moment as an opportunity for outrageous generosity. Now, I know it can be, I know it can be offensive or, or frightening, especially to white people, especially those who have come from hardship. I don't have to go very far back on either side of my family tree to find chapters of, of heartbreak and poverty and destitution and mill workers and orphanages. One amateur genealogist of Dennis's in North Carolina, that's my last name, Dennis, amateur genealogist once gathered my parents and me to a, a family reunion of Dennis's and told us that we were descended from a bunch of preachers and bootleggers <laughs> and he said some of them were both. <laughs> so far, uh, by the way, the one who told us this was a great guy, very funny, um, and had most of his teeth. So far though, I've not been able to find any ancestors who were shipped over here in chains or kept in hot boxes or roasted over fire pits or hunted by dogs. Dogs specifically bred to lunge at the neck. If I were to go to the National Memorial for Peace and Justice and trace my fingers over the hanging memorials to those across our nation who've been lynched, I would not find any of my ancestors there. My own high school still stands. Even my barber shop, the hospital where I was born, the elementary school, the middle school, the church where I was baptized, and the neighborhood where I learned how to ride a bike. All still there. I think most of us would readily admit, most, not all, but most of us, our congregation, We've received a full day's wage for honest work. It's true. Many of our neighbors, though standing at the ready, have not. Now hear the good news. 
the cornerstone is inviting all of the early risers to celebrate with him as he retrieves the stones that the contractors rejected and builds a new spiritual house. Outrageous! <laughs> the first will be last, and the last will be first. Outrageous. But as Christians, I believe we can sing to that. 